there's this thing in the industry known as the sophomore slump. I'll be honest, bad idea, right? I'm not a huge fan of. I feel your compliments like bullets on my skin. This writing shows duality and complexity of human emotion. Why fix something that's not broken? I have a theory that sour is about her relationships with other people and guts is more about her relationship with herself. Welcome back to the Share Your Screen podcast. My name is Nikki. And I'm Kokomoko. And this is episode 10. 10? Double digits, baby. Wow. Thank you guys for sticking with us. And this week, I am going to be the one presenting, and I am presenting about Guts vs. Sour, Mm -hmm. and which one we think is a better album, and also to compare from a lyrical analysis, and how we see her career moving forward, because I think she has this really, like, magical aura around her right now of being the the youngest face in pop, and I think in the next five years, she is going to be a name of the likes of the Taylor Swifts Mm -hmm. and the Ariana Grandes, and I'm really fascinated, too, in just breaking down, like, why her specifically has has had this, like, career trajectory that feels almost impossible. I also think she was one of, if not the first artist to break through to mainstream, like, Met Gala level through TikTok, which is something that's really fascinating to me because I think everybody talks about how she was on a Disney show, yet most people don't know she actually never signed with Disney. She never signed to Hollywood Records. Yeah. Yeah. So she did it all through TikTok and Mm -hmm. and independently and then got signed to Interscope, which is something I'm really, really excited to dive into. But what are your thoughts on Olivia's career and also like these two albums? Yeah, I had a close eye on her because so many artists, there's this thing in the industry known as the sophomore slump. Yep. And even the best artists who have had these huge careers, oftentimes their sophomore album won't be as good as their good. first and yeah. sometimes as good as their third and their fourth and their yeah. fifth. There's immense pressure on them. I think that there's this desire to stay like why fix something that's not broken. And so they stay so close to what they were first known for, but then it doesn't help them evolve. And usually the sophomore album comes out years later and then they're dated. Yeah. So I think that she in a weird way was able to nod to her past self. And yet she has such a different kind of Mm -hmm. like punk style now that we can dive into. And just the rollout of her songs, I'm excited to talk about because from a marketing perspective, I feel like she took two opposite approaches with the rollout with Sour versus Guts. I don't know if it was intentional, Mm -hmm. but I have thoughts. I really view these two albums as like two parts of the same whole. Even like going to a a visual standpoint. The album covers look pretty, I think, intentionally similar. Like the first is is clearly this very young girl. It's this light purple color. She has stickers. She's wearing a skirt. It's very young. It's very feminine. Then the second half of, of this whole is the Guts cover where it's still in front of this purple seamless, but mm-hmm. it's a little bit darker. Yeah. And now she's not wearing the super hyper feminine yeah. girly outfit. She's kind of like a little sexier and yeah. like a little more mature. And becoming a darker purple purple is an intentional mm-hmm. creative direction decision to like show age and maturity, yeah. almost like this purple has aged as mm-hmm. she has aged. Having that sort of like more pop punk sound to it with like the darker the tones. I don't know. Like I, I think she's... It's very, very intentional. Mm-hmm. She's a Pisces. They're good at that. <laughs> Are they? <laughs> They're very artistic. They see things like like they they put little hidden messages in there 
and their visuals, not just the music. Yeah. Right. And it's even more than that to me is her lyricism. Yeah. I think when you think about a lot of artists, they are like known for really different things. Like when I think of Beyonce, I think of a performer. Yes. You know, like she is an iconic artist, but like her on a stage is like yeah. unlike anything any artist does yeah, she, really. She could turn do re mi Faso, la, do, or whatever <laughs> into like the performance of a life. Right. And when I think of Olivia, I think of the way she writes. Yes. And I also think too, like when I was watching a bunch of interviews and stuff, doing research for this video, it's really cool how when people ask her about the songs or ask her about the album, she'll be like, this one was really fun to write. Or like, yeah, I really liked writing this or writing it, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to think of music as a written form yeah. before even an audio form. A poem. Yeah, it is literally, it starts as a poem or it starts as an idea that needs yeah. to be translated into a poem yeah. and then has, you know, music put to it. Well, did you hear that she took a poetry class? Does that come up? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, so um, there's some TikToks where I think she was talking about it in an interview, but she... Um, during the creation of this album, she took a collegiate Poem. course, a poetry writing class. That's awesome. And was like in Zooms with like college that kids in a so class. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Because so much of her lyrics are riddled with metaphor and mm -hmm. antithesis yeah. to describe like the mixed emotions of being a teenage yeah. girl in 2023. Things like describing relationships in her lyrics as the Swedish torture yeah. This use of antithesis reminds me of Charles Dickens. Oh. Iconic lines like, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. This writing shows duality and complexity yeah. of human emotion. And on the surface, we describe things in a very linear way. I am happy. Yeah. I am sad. I am angry. Literal. Yet emotions don't really function that way. Yeah. You can love someone and hate them at the same yeah. time. In fact, you often love someone and hate them at the same time because yeah. in order to feel that deeply of negative emotion, mm -hmm. there has to be this positive correlation that got yeah. you there in the first place. Or you can be jealous of someone and happy for them. Mm -hmm. You can be sad that something is ending, but excited that it's over. Yeah. And I think that we don't talk about emotion in that way. Yet when it's portrayed through her lyrics, it's, tapping into this very complex and almost illogical thought patterns that yeah. we all feel where they're so specific, yet she doesn't always try to make sense of them. Mm -hmm. And when I hear criticism of Olivia's work, I feel like this is the point that they're always missing. It's mm -hmm. things like, this is just another whiny ballad where she's complaining, or she describes these girl problems about being young and then later contradicts herself, saying people take advantage of her for being young, but she doesn't want to be young. And I think what people don't realize is like, that's the point. Yeah. Like, you're not supposed to make sense of your emotions mm -hmm. fully, or you're not supposed to like be able to understand them yeah. in such a black and white linear way. I also think people have this misconception that like you should only write a song about a feeling if you have the answer or like write about a story if the story has a conclusion. And that's not how life operates. Yeah. Like it, everything is fluid, you know, yeah. and changing. And that's really what I like about her too. Even like when you, like when I break down some of, some of like the lyrics from this album, like, uh, in Lacey, she says, I feel your compliments like bullets on my skin. Yeah, that one, that line stood out to me. I love that kind of writing. Like yes. it shows that 
And I think being a young woman shows that like there is kind of always this backhanded natureness of like yeah. being complimented is seen as a good thing, but it's mm-hmm. also like because your only worth is based in your looks. Yes. You know what I mean? Or- I even took it to as like a frenemy, like yeah. someone who you're not sure where your relationship stands with them. Like you're kind of like hot and cold. And then that like elation that you feel when you're like at a pregame with friends and then that one girl who you're on awkward ground with like compliments you. But then <laughs> on the drive home, you're like, wait, was that actually an insult? Right. Or and, like, oh my God, you actually look so good tonight. Yeah, like and you like, actually got dressed up for once. Like you're <laughs> like, wait. And I think yeah, she captured that person. Totally. And I think that, again, like that's the point that people are missing. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a a concrete answer to that. Yeah. But that's kind of why I like her music. Yeah. Like, I like that it's bringing attention to things that we feel that don't have a correct response. Yes. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's like, at least to me, like that's the shit worth reflecting over. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the things we should be thinking about more. And when it's multidimensional like that, you can relate to a lyric when you first hear the song and then it's timeless because five years later, you may be, interpret it in a new way now because it was open-ended and it wasn't like something that was I think a lot of songs now especially with the pressure to go viral on TikTok are so one-dimensional and literal because they're like trying to like have the label tries to have a formula to go viral and yet she kind of flips that on its head or you can tell they're trying so hard to like make a 15 second clip of a song yeah translate out of like the four minute song and it has to be so literal and yeah people have to make like a dance movie (laughs) yeah absolutely so like I I don't know like before we discuss like which album we like better quote unquote yeah I view them as like they have strengths in different ways. Sour has higher peaks. Like I think if I were to list my three favorite Olivia songs, two or three of them are probably from Sour. Mm -hmm. But I think I like Guts the album better. Yeah. My theory about Olivia Rodrigo's marketing strategy, I could be right or wrong, I don't Mm -hmm. know, is I feel like with Sour, and maybe this was intentional, she had a really aggressive single release so like driver's license came out and it was so much energy was put behind that and then um deja vu and she had these very intentional singles i actually think jealousy jealousy is like the best song that's a good one i love it because she's like yelling Uh which then we see come out in all american bitch but I felt like Olivia had to be really strategic with the singles for Sour because it was her introduction to the world. Yeah. Um, whereas I almost feel now with her guts rollout, I feel like she's almost been a little bit pulled back with the singles. Like, of course, you had Vampire and Bad Idea Right, mm-hmm. which I love Vampire. I mean, I'll be honest, Bad Idea Right, I'm not a huge fan of. I'm it's still a, a fan of Olivia. It's a common take. It's just not my vibe, and right. that's okay. It doesn't have to be. Um, but her album really so much stands on its own that I almost feel like with Guts, it's like, I don't need to push a ton of singles from this. The singles are going to push themselves. Like, she didn't push Lacey as a single, and yet yeah. Lacey is the one that everyone's fixated on. Uh-huh. And I think she was almost had this, like, maybe a confidence, too, where it's like, I'm just going to let the album stand on its own. Right. Whereas as a freshman artist, you have to be so intentional with those first few songs to get people interested. Totally. I also wonder if there was like a weird pressure with like the whole love triangle of Josh, the first Sabrina one. And yeah. Olivia. Like I, even if she 
wanted to release Deja Vu on the album. Like after Driver's License was such a hit. Yeah. I'm sure they were like, you need to do Deja Vu. Yes. Like yeah. you need like you need to. Going back to Sour as an album, actually Driver's License specifically, I would love to just like hone in on oh, that, that was, song. Yeah. Because I think that song, Driver's License perfectly encapsulates the feeling of what it is to have your first love as a mm -hmm. teenager, where it feels like it is the most serious thing yeah. on planet Earth, but it's so not. Yeah. And I think even reflecting on Driver's License yeah. three years later and thinking about the drama that yeah. happened, it's not a big deal. Like, I think right. the internet They've really perpetuated yeah. a narrative and like, it's sadly common. Like, I think people, when they break up, like, a lot of people like, yeah. are thinking about it for a while or they know mm -hmm. that the relationship is on rocks and it takes them meeting someone new to realize, like, this thing isn't the thing for me anymore. Yeah. As someone who has both been in the receiving yeah. end of that and of, like, the giving end of that. And I feel like Driver's License, I know she gets compared a lot lyrically to, like, Taylor Swift, and both of them are really good at making songs that people associate with certain ages. Yes. Um. So, like, that one was, like, when you turn 15 or 16 and yeah. you get your license. And to me, Driver's License, kind of what you were saying, but it really captured this thing that happens when you're younger where you have these certain milestones that you hit so it's like expedited Rapid. between like yep. 16 and 23. Yep. And you have moments where you really love someone and then it falls apart. And you almost are like, why is my life continuing? And like these milestones are still happening. Right. And this person that I thought would be there to celebrate them aren't. Yeah. I think that was like even just like driving down their street and stuff. Yeah. Like, it and was so interesting. And it's funny because I feel like driving down their street is like such a teenage problem. Like, I know, right? Teenage, yes. You know, like an adulthood, you Adult don't really. And if you do, then you need. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you need, help. You need yes. some help. But, like, but it's something that like teenagers do. Like they yeah. just, it's something they do. And it's something that like I also think interestingly, the thing about teenagering versus adulthood is like. When you're an adult, it's really the first time you get to choose who your friends are and yeah. choose who your relationships are. Like so much of your school years, so like high mm -hmm. school, middle school, college is defined by proximity. Yes. Your friends are who you have classes yep. with or who's in your major or who's also on campus on Tuesdays yeah. so you get lunch together. You know what I mean? And when the that proximity isn't there, then the only people you're left with mm -hmm. is the people you are making a conscious effort and decision to be around yeah. consistently, right? Like I, we both work 40 hours a week and like we're tired, but like I want to spend my time with you. Yeah. Not just necessarily because we're like within a 500 foot yeah. radius of each other. If anything, we're like driving time. 30, 40 minutes yeah. to like hang out. Yeah. Exactly. And those milestones really make up so much of your identity. Yeah. Driving is like your sort of your independence that mm -hmm. you're leaving your house at 18. Maybe you're going to college and then this is maybe you move. Yeah. Maybe you get a job. Like so many things happen mm -hmm. and you change so much yeah. that you seek stability in relationships yeah if everything's moving 100 miles an hour i want yeah. at home to be moving zero miles yeah an hour. i want that yeah. person there mm -hmm. and i really felt like that's what that song yeah it captured captured whereas i also want to say too that i think that guts was also more focused on her sense of identity like mm -hmm. there were songs about relationships but it was like something that also you deal with in your early 20s where you're like who am i like yeah. you try on different hats and i think that even like the song all american bitch which maybe we'll get into but yeah i think that like it's so interesting how one album was so fixated on those the deteriorating of relationships in teenagehood 
And now this album is like one more so the intensity of relationships when you're in your 20s because it's so different. And also the intensity of figuring out your identity. I have a theory that Sour is about her relationships with other people and Guts is more about her relationship with herself. Because if you look at the lyrics, like I'm going to describe, there's four songs that really stand out to me on Guts that identify like her relationship with herself and also her relationship with societal norms. Whoa. So like first is Lacey. And that's one that I think like the fandom has really been talking mm-hmm. about. Like, she describes things like, you are the sweetest thing on this side of hell. And I love that, again, that antithesis describing- We're in a bad place. We're in a bad, or feeling like you're in a bad place herself, but like seeking this light at the end of the tunnel, that lighthouse, or I despise my rotten mind and how much it worships you is like such a a powerful thing to me. Like when you just know someone is bad for you or has done terrible things to you and you can't not think about it. But what stands out to lyrics like this is it's, she's not talking about them. She's talking about her. her mm. Sour was really like, and songs like Deja Vu and Driver's yeah. License was like about their actions. Yeah. You're, do you get Deja Vu? Do you think about me? Whereas songs like Pretty Isn't Pretty or Teenage Dream are about like, when am I going to stop being great for my age and just start being good? Yes. Like when are people going to evaluate me on things more than just my age? Mm-hmm. Like it's her having this deeper reflection. Yeah. And that's why I view these albums as like, again, like two parts of the same whole. Yes. It's almost like jealousy. Jealousy was like, in a way, her blaming other people for her feeling bad, but then pretty isn't pretty is like her blaming herself now. Like realizing like, maybe it was me. Oh, I think pretty isn't pretty is a metaphor for society. I also think this has so much potential to be like the best music video on the album. Really? Just because the message of the song, I think is so deep there's always something in the mirror that i think looks wrong yeah. is such a real experience yeah. like the longer you stare at yourself I in the know, mirror right? the more you pick out like wrong about you yeah. and or even times too like i can think of i'll literally be scrolling through my camera roll and see pictures of me from six months ago and i'll be like i visibly remember thinking i looked terrible and then you're here. like oh i would kill to look like this. Yes, <laughs> yeah literally and like it, it's because again like there's no yeah so you can't win it's quote it's in my phone it's in my head it's in the boys i bring to bed it's all around it's all the time none of it matters and none of it ends mm. like i think that's talking about this idea like society puts this pressure again so much of it is based in in looks yeah and like materialism and i think that pretty isn't pretty is a metaphor for being pretty yeah isn't there is no definition it's a yeah. subjective concept even yeah. like this idea of perfection even the prettiest person isn't pretty yeah society. like pretty or the pretty. prettiest person thinks that someone else is pretty yeah you know what i mean like you think beyonce is beautiful beyonce thinks somebody else is yeah beautiful. you know what i mean like it's just a never-ending thing and it's crazy to think about that so much of our society is built off subjective concepts. Yeah. Like music. Yeah. Like art. Like looks. Like what is perfect to me? What is a perfect song to me? Is that a perfect song to yeah. you? What is a, a attractive man to me? Is yeah. that an attractive man to yeah. you? And that doesn't make other and one of us bad. right or wrong. Yeah. It doesn't make it bad if people have different views yeah. of beauty. And I really felt like that song captured that so well and that's why i really think again like i think it would be such a compelling music video yeah like i can just even like see in my mind like the creative direction of her like staring at herself in the mirror and then like it the camera pans into the reflection and like maybe she's like really like wearing tons of makeup and looking beautiful but then once you see the pov of the mirror the her staring back is like her without the makeup and her with all these blemishes and acne spots where it's like even when 
I'm on stage and all these people see me and they think I'm beautiful and a performer, like what I think is like, oh, they don't know underneath all this stuff. Like, yeah. I look like this. You know, it would be such a good music video for Pretty Isn't Pretty from Olivia Rodrigo is there was this old Twilight episode back when Twilight was like black and white. Okay. Like this might predate you. <laughs> it does. Um, only people born like before 1997 <laughs> would know this. But there was a Twilight episode and the whole thing was um, this woman felt like she was so ugly and she was signing up for like all of these surgeries and stuff and everyone was like so shook at how ugly she was but you never saw the other people's faces you just heard what they were saying to uh -huh. her you saw her looking in the mirror uh -huh. um and her reading magazines things like that and then the plot twist at the end of the twilight episode is the camera pans out and it shows everyone else in the room who had been telling her she was ugly and she needed to change it had all of these like weird face deformities and almost looked alien and it was she like, was but she was a normal human. Like she looked like a beautiful Whoa. woman. And it was saying like, she was like conventionally attractive the whole time, but she was in a world of people that looked to what we would perceive right. as not beautiful. And it was just this mind F of like, oh my God, it was the environment she was in that she felt ugly. Whoa. And they cast like that beautiful would be woman. so good to spin on that. She did a nod video. to and that. And it captures this idea that, Beauty is subjective. Yeah. So much of what society puts its deepest pressures on yeah. is subjective. Exactly. Like, it's so weird. Like, yeah. why do we have, as human beings, have such a fascination with things that don't have concrete answers? You know? That's like, exactly why, because we'll never get the answer. I think, well, I think the moment you get the answer, you're like, oh. It's, there's discourse. It's always a topic yep. of conversation. And maybe mm -hmm. that's why it's timeless. Yeah. Because you it's can't, a it's a problem that can't be solved. Mm -hmm. So people eternally discuss yeah. it, I guess. I think the most underrated song on the album is Teenage Dream. Okay. Absolutely love. I think it describes the frustrations of being young and also really hones in on the concept of ageism. Yeah. And I think ageism is something that people think like corporate. Yeah. Like my boss is 35 yeah. and I'm 20 and yeah. they think I'm dumb because yeah. I'm 20 and they don't take me for what I'm actually yeah. worth or the work that I do. But I think ageism applies so much to relationships. Oh. Especially like like where people are like, you're so smart for your age. Or yeah. like you're so you're so blank for your age in any capacity is a wrong sentence. Yeah. People like feel there's some sense of superiority with age yeah. of like quantity of experience, so to speak. But I think that anytime you think you're an expert in something or you know more than someone, like the only person who can suffer from that is yourself because now you're yeah. closing yourself off from the opportunity to learn something new. Yeah, as, as Wendy Williams used <laughs> to say, she's lived a life, honey. And when she would say that, she was referencing like someone who's like 25, one 25 year old might have lived a life worth 50 years of experience. Mm -hmm. And then another 25 year old born on the same day, they've might've only lived a life of 10 years of experience. Yeah, Some people have lived more life, like they've lived a life and it kind of aligns. With that. Totally. Okay. Honorable mention, get him back. I think I love the double entendre of that song. Yeah, like, where, uh, like don't even want him, like why do I, yeah. It's like get him back means revenge, like revenge. Yeah, but like, also means gotcha. get him back like, I want him. Yeah, like why are you still vying for his attention even if it's in a revenge way? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, that's what people don't talk about. Like relationships are messy. Yeah. The feelings you feel are not linear. And you don't understand your feelings all the time and that's okay. And that's, a, yeah. And I love that she sings about that. Yeah. She sings about the ambiguity. Yeah. Not about 
a solution yeah. or a way to feel. Because I think when you talk about the confusion or the lack of a conclusion, that's something everyone can relate to. Whereas when you hone in on a specific outcome, that guarantees you're cutting off X portion of people. Right? Yeah. If get him back ends with her getting back with the guy, then there's you know 70% of relationships or whatever where people broke up and they didn't end up getting yeah. back together so by leaving it ambiguous gives this artistic interpretation to the audience yeah I like love you that. can't internalize it the mm-hmm. way you want to internalize it or the way it would apply most to your life yes one of my favorite songs on guts is ballad of a homeschool girl mm-hmm. and I think that it might not have even been intentional but I think it applies to so many people even if they weren't homeschooled because I always feel so deeply for people slightly younger than me who had the rug pulled out from under them when yeah. it came to schooling, like not being able to go to prom, not being able to go to graduation, like yep. not being able to live in a college yeah, dorm. I didn't walk my college yeah, graduation. Not ever having to really have experienced like, yeah, corporate life, but like being able to make friends at work. Like totally. so many people had that and pulled out from I them. also, whenever I've talked to people who have like been in corporate for a long time and I tell them like, I that I felt robbed of that. Yeah. Like I have never in my life had my own desk. Yeah. And like I just wanted I don't you know, know. like it's dumb. I wanted a stupid little name tag and yeah. like I wanted to be next to two coworkers yeah. and like I never had that and I know that it's not fun. Yeah. But when you're told since you're five and you see your parents doing it since as long as you can remember that like you're going to do this then this and your life will be this way and then that outcome isn't there even if it's a negative outcome you're like it's so disorienting to not have it and especially again like i'm so i moved two thousand miles from home when i got my first job so like i was in a new city yeah and covid completely locked down and i wasn't you didn't have that sense of community and that sense of proximity to people Yeah, and it's like that sense of being ostracized and like her situation is so unique and she is ostracized. Um, But I think it's like so many people now relate to that feeling of being ostracized or an outsider. But if everyone's an outsider, is it really what's happening or is it like also just society shifted so dramatically in a short amount of time that really no one's equalized yet? Like no one has an equilibrium yet. Like we're all kind of outsiders i have a theory olivia rodrigo planned her albums sour and guts to be two parts of the same whole (gasps) and teenage dream the song at the end of guts is actually like the end of the chapter and that she has these hidden easter eggs from the first song on sour brutal where she also says the words quote i'm so sick of 17 where's my fucking teenage dream that is the start of the chapter the end of the chapter is the song Teenage Dream, the last song on Guts. Why do I think this? Teenage Dream, I think, represents like her childlike sense of wonder. The Teenage Dream is that feeling. It's this this bubble you experience. I have a theory. Olivia Rodrigo is about to completely ditch the color purple and rebrand into red. What? And I have a few pieces of evidence to support my theory. To start... It all goes back to what was the first single she released for this album? Vampire. Vampire. What does the album cover look like? Black and white with a very, very slight thing of purple. I think the purple represents her childlike innocence and that wonder of her being a young creative person. However, Vampire, it feels like she's been drained of that color because she was the life was sucked out of her, literally. And what is the one thing repairing her? This one piece of childlike innocence she still feels like she's barely holding on to. Let's go to the second single, Bad Idea Right. What is the text? 
red. This video has so much red in it. Red is the dominant color. If you look at the lips of every single person in the music video, they're releasing red lipstick. If you look at the uniforms of the cheerleaders, they're wearing red. If you look at any of the text that pops up on screen, it's the color red. If you look at the costumes, if you look at Olivia's necklace, if you look at the color of Olivia's ring, everything is red. There is a clear transition from purple to red. She's intentionally putting the color purple and the color red next to each other. So then we get the end of the music video where she's finally pulling up to her ex-boyfriend's house and she's on the way there in the bus. She gets splashed in the face with a red Slurpee. Like (gasps) red is just hitting her in the face. And I think red is meant to symbolize like her next chapter, right? Like that's why it's hitting her in the face. It's an abrupt like coming into who she is next, right? She then steps out of the bus into the rain to her ex-boyfriend's house. She's wearing a light purple sweater. She then takes it off. What is she wearing under the light purple? Red. Red. Wait, what? She then gets into her ex-boyfriend's bed where she's laying there. She slowly pans out. There's fire, red fire next to her. Also, all of the things on the floor that are in the boyfriend's apartment, red. So I am convinced that she is dropping these Easter eggs and that either her next single or like next album, something. Like we're going to see the first time she steps away from this purple color and it's going to be red as the primary color of her brand. So my theory is that Teenage Dream at the end of, we're gonna get a music video for it eventually. That music video is going to be a visual representation of like that bubble shattering, that purple teenage dream, that teenage journey that we started with, starting with Sour, and ending again on the teenage dream will change and she's going to rebrand into a different color. My theory, red. Which, crazy you say that because you, we made that video and then like not a week later, <laughs> yeah. she went to the VMAs and wearing wore red, red on stage. Wearing it was red. so crazy. I know and I'm telling you that's, I think Olivia pulls a lot of stuff. You said she studied poetry yes. from literature. So much of her influence in writing is from literature. The color red has so much symbolism in literature. Red commonly depicts this idea of um, a mature woman. I, don't quote me on this, believe my English teacher actually told me that this was because um, centuries ago, they used red to define womanhood because mm-hmm. when a woman had her first period, yes, yes. that was the transition to womanhood. Yeah. So since that, they've used the, the color red, red as like symbolism mm-hmm. for womanhood. One of the best examples I always think of like where they talk about uh, red in, in tandem with women is like the book, The Scarlet Letter. Yes. You know what I mean? Like red. it's not the violet letter. It's not the green letter. Yeah. Like it's the scarlet letter. It's yeah. talking about uh, adultery and that's like her, you know, her mm-hmm. sin as as a woman. And like we can, you know, or even in Handmaid's very misogynistic tale. Yeah, like in nature, misog- but. In Handmaid's Tale, they wore red robes to like show that they were womanhood. the fertile ones. Yeah. And then um, pink or light purple is often used to symbolize like a young girl. Character. Yes. So like the common, uh, iconic pink young girl I think of is like um, Elle Woods from Wiggly Bond. Like even in movies, they will intentionally like, if you see a girl in all pink, she's like a bimbo. You know what I mean? Or she has this uh, youthful ignorance, this youthful unawareness about her. Um, And what they do in literature is it starts where maybe a a young girl starts as like a pink, like she's wearing Mm -hmm. a pink dress, blah, blah, blah. Then she has this deep traumatic event or like life experience 
And after that, she's depicted wearing red throughout the rest Mm. of the film. And things like that are designed to give a visual to an audience of like, this person started out as a young girl Mm -hmm. and through this experience has matured into a woman. That's like the symbolism of of color theory. And different colors actually represent a lot of stuff in literature. Yeah. It's really, really fun. We could do an entire episode about that. I know, right? Even subconsciously pink is red womanhood. Um, with white involved, and white is purity, mm-hmm. so it's the dilution of red. I didn't. In the even moment think you get about that, mm-hmm. in the moment good. you get rid of the white purity, the pink color increases into red. Yeah, uh, that's good. Yeah, I also something you said. It, it gave me kind of like a theory based on your analysis. I kind of theorized that Olivia Rodrigo's titles of her albums specifically relate to what you were saying about how sour is about her external relationships Mm -hmm. and sour. When you eat something, if it's sour, you have a very outward expression. Yeah. Or I think that sour means like she felt sour about what people did to her. Yeah, that too. But it's like, you're having like a visceral reaction. Like someone can read it on you, Uh but guts only happens after you've consumed something and you don't see it physically yeah no one knows that you're gonna you might not even know you're gonna have a reaction but once it starts like going through your intestines yeah then you might have like it might poison you but you don't know it immediately and it's almost like the sour is her deflection of experiences and guts is her absorption like the internalization of the internalization it's so deep it's in her guts exactly (laughs) exactly so that's really really interesting I love that. She might that. have chose those titles intentionally. I, I hope so. And if not, yeah. that, she should have. <laughs> like, yeah, that was right. good. You really <laughs> ate with that one. Yes. Our email's in our bio. And if you want exactly. to come on our show and talk about it. Like, exactly. Yeah. That was great. So like what out of the two yeah. albums, which yes. one is, if you could only listen to one for the rest of your life and you had to pick Sour or Guts, what would you pick? I would pick Sour because I love the song Jealousy, Jealousy. Really? And it just like isn't overplayed yet. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. Sour is so popular that both of them will be overplayed. That just happens to pop stars. I think that there was something so interesting about Sour. It was her first album. And maybe I just, maybe it's more so just a familiarity bias. Yeah. Because Guts is so new. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think Sour captured such a special moment in time and we're too close in proximity to Guts on the timeline to understand its impact yet. Yeah. I also think there was this like hearing driver's license for the first time in like peak pandemic was like a feeling that we just will not ever Ever. describe. We were coming out of like not really having a ton of new music because we just went through the pandemic. They can produce. Yeah. And she was the first like I feel like real... January like, of 2021, literally yeah, like the first. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, I think she kind of paved the way for TikTok music success yeah. secretly. Like, it's so fascinating to me that she came through the Disney pipeline, but di- didn't lean Have into the it. Disney yeah. avenue. Like, yeah. And also, someone commented, I think, on maybe your viral video about the theories, but that partly what was so hard for specifically Miley, Selena, Demi, that kind of generation that I grew up with, almost all of them had some forms of PR crises before Mm -hmm. they were able to fully become a musician that was respected. Um, And, you know, one time is bad luck, two times is coincidence, three times is a pattern. It was like, what is happening here? Olivia 
didn't really have that, or at least knock on wood, she hasn't really had it yet. But someone said in one of the comments, maybe it's also because there was more of a cultural magnifying glass on that first generation of stars coming through Disney. Yeah. Whereas I like, of course the hundred million views on YouTube and high school musical, the musical da, 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 <laughs> was really big, but it wasn't the same as what Disney channel was. As Hannah Montana. And yeah. so I almost think that there's more flexibility as someone who's mending themselves to be a public figure mm-hmm. when they're actually not in the limelight where she was able to maybe make decisions that she was able to sign with Interscope instead of Hollywood totally. because she didn't have all these Disney handlers around her. Yeah, and I also think that Miley going through what she went through so publicly really set up the latter half of Disney stars for success in a way yeah. because they never fell into the trap of signing their life away to Disney. Yeah. Think of Zendaya. Think yeah. of Jenna Ortega. Think of Sabrina Carpenter. Think of Olivia Rodrigo. Huge A-list yeah. stars now. And they never fell into the Disney pitfall. Yeah. And I think it's because, literally, I think Miley going through that saved people. That, yeah. Like, people realize, like, whoa, like, it, it, this is your future if you allow a company to box you into being a perfect, like, teenage girl yeah. for forever. And by all of them being smart enough to say, I'd rather take a risk and bet on myself and not sign my life away mm-hmm. to Disney to have autonomy yeah. and decision making in my career is what launch them like you think they would have allowed zendaya to be the lead of a show like euphoria i know if she was signed it no way no no way so like it it really saved her yeah and, like, saved her career and i think that i hope that like miley thinks about that or yeah. at least like realizes yeah. that like if if she didn't i think go through what she went through People. so publicly like somebody else would have yeah and like personal anecdote here too i f- obviously so different but Funny enough, some of the people on our podcast know, like I used to work at BuzzFeed and I'm only speaking for myself. I know you did, but Mm -hmm. speaking for myself, I started at BuzzFeed, but prior to me beginning, I saw so many videos about why I left BuzzFeed. (laughs) Oh yeah. And even though- I watched them all like before I even had my first (laughs) Yeah, and I have really nothing bad to say about BuzzFeed. I always had a good experience, but even though- I had essentially the keys to the kingdom. I was signed into all of their main accounts, yeah. 20 million followers. Yep. And I had permission. I could have posted videos of myself. Mm-hmm. And I actively for three years chose not to ever put myself on video because I knew that one day I wanted to have a podcast. I wanted to have a following. And the moment that I made my identity where I worked, mm-hmm. the moment that I left that workplace, I would lose that following and I would always be associated with my job that I got when I was 21. Yeah. And so I knew that it would be a harder and longer road to not align with one of the biggest media companies in the world. Mm -hmm. But I did that so intentionally because of the people that came before me who kind of laid out the roadmap of this was what was great about it. This is what was bad about it. These were the pros and cons. Like, and I really took those warnings and I'm really grateful for everyone who did Talk about their time at BuzzFeed before I began. Yeah. And going back to the Miley comparison, if they didn't talk about that publicly, you wouldn't have I known. would have no idea. You yeah. wouldn't have known. So sometimes again, like and also like weird life lesson out of this, I think. Like if you go through something, even if it's negative, sharing that experience with people can save them yeah. from going through the same mm-hmm. experience. Like if you make the mistake or you suffer an unfortunate consequence, yeah. like by sharing 
hey, this happened to me. Yeah. This is where, this is why it got yeah. to this point. If you see yourself getting to this point, yes. you need to take a left turn. Wait, what do you think is the best option? What do you um, think is better, sour or guts? I think my favorite Olivia song of all time is Deja Vu. Okay. Like I just, the uh, feeling of watching someone that you used to be with, with someone else is like, Ugh. Like, I think, yeah. like, one of my worst traits as a human being is that I'm just really jealous. Yeah. Like, it's really just, like, a bad trait or maybe, that like, competitive, and so you're yeah. just, like, why, like... And, it, I, and I struggle with that feeling of, like, oh, if they're happy with this person and they weren't happy with me, it's because I'm not enough. Yeah. Not because they weren't... We just weren't the person for each other. Yeah. Or that they, I really struggle constantly with internalizing that, like, yeah. in all in all things. Like, I... You know, this earlier this yeah. year got broken up with for the first time in my life. Yeah. Like I'd never been, I'd been in relationships, but like I was the breaker up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it destroyed me. It it was like, like I broke felt, up with you, you're saying. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I felt worthless. It was wow. literally the first time I like one of the first times in my life. Like I just felt like I was like, wow, like I felt like I did everything right. And yeah, I didn't. I wasn't enough. Yeah. And that's not true. Like, I know that's not, not true logically, yeah. but that's why I love the song Deja Vu so much. Playing that feeling of watching somebody with somebody else yeah, and feeling like, do you get Deja Vu? Like, do you yeah. think of me? I don't know. Or even like those milestones, like when Halloween's coming up and you're like, oh, like in my head, we were going to be like a couple's costume, but <laughs> yeah. like there was someone else. Like, right. Yeah. So are you saying that you like sour better? Oh, sorry. I just did not answer <laughs> your question at all. Um, I I think I like guts better. Okay. I think it's so rare to find a genuinely non-skip album. Yeah, like true like Harry's House was like one of the first albums I ever listened to that was like I could listen to this start to finish yeah. and not feel the need to skip a song. Mm -hmm. Like genuinely I feel like like the worst song in the album is like a 7 out of 10. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel that way about guts. Like yeah. the my least favorite song is probably a bad idea, right? Mm -hmm. And I still think it's good. Like, yeah. I don't hate it. So I really admire Guts for that. And I also like that she's, like, bringing back pop punk. Yeah, <laughs> she is. Like, like the, ah. I want the Avril Lavigne's. Yes. I want Hayley Williams. Where's Parent? Like, yeah. how do we get them on the, on the deluxe version or something? And I do love with, like, her new Guts album, I will say, you know me, I'm obsessed with, like, just juxtaposition and, like, dichotomy. And when someone is so opposite of what's expected and like i think with all american bitch for example like you would think that the label would have a formula like okay you want to go to the pop punk route like mm -hmm. where's your side bangs where's your eyeliner <laughs> where's like your like your hand like yeah. little um things little, like, that they would wear bracelets with a little metal spike. exactly like where's your dc shoes mm -hmm. um like and yet she delivered this pop punk sound and has this preppy kind of like skirts and yeah, very long hair yeah. and like feminine. And I think that that is what's so much more viral or interesting to people versus following like a formula. And I think that's also totally. what stands out is like aesthetically it's so like, she's just very kind of like preppy at least now, maybe she won't be in the future. And I think that if any other artist went to their label with a song like All American Bitch, they'd be like, okay, like, where's the stylist? Like, let's, <laughs> like, where, yeah. like, we need to cut your hair. We where's need the to, electric like, guitar? Exactly. Like, we need you to, like, wear, like, huge black boots. Mm -hmm. And she stayed true to who she was aesthetically and vocally went in a different direction. I right. think that was really interesting. That's a great way to put it. By the way, this is what it sounds like to sit in the car with us for, like, a 30 Literally, because I felt about. like this was the most, like, 
unscripted episode we filmed. Like, I know. I, we just kind of talked. Yeah. So I hope it was interesting. I don't know. Yeah, let us know in the comments. Let us know if you guys want us to do a similar style video for other artists. Like, oh, I'd love to do this with other artists' albums or eras. Yeah. So. Um, and if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you listen to your podcast, please yeah, give us a five nice. stars. Yes. It helps so much. And if you're listening on, watching on YouTube, um, we love you. Give it yes. a like and subscribe, please. Yes. Um, and thank you for supporting us always. Yes, I heard that like the one star button is broken. Like, so <laughs> yeah. it actually only, only works if you press five. It's exactly. actually five years of bad of good luck. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, reviews help. Um, following us on YouTube helps because we've been like actually growing faster than we thought I know. in terms of subs and like. We're just so grateful for every single one of you guys. And if you guys want us to make a Discord where we can talk about these things even more, I would love to do oh. that. So should we start it and then we'll put it in the description? You know what? If you're seeing this, there's a Discord. Go to the Discord. It'll be there in the description. And we can just start talking about all these crazy things that like you don't want to annoy your friends and family with. Like the third text of the day about <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo's like music yeah, video or something. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, thank you guys so much. This was a great episode. Thank you, Nikki, for making it. Yeah. Oh my God. That was good. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs>